Welcome to the Brothers in Faith podcast on St. Joseph Radio. Join Father Vincent Churichella and Deacon Michael Churichella as they talk about faith, family, and sometimes food. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our Brothers in Faith podcast. I'm Father Vincent Churichella. And I'm Deacon Michael Churichella. We're happy that you're with us today. This is officially our second podcast. It's a monumental uh, endeavor, number two. We're moving along here. And uh, we just want to welcome everybody that's listening. Let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, our Father, we give you thanks for the gift of life and the gift of community. Help us to grow, to love one another, and to care for one another as we ask this all through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so you had a, a monumental experience this week. Uh, your, your granddaughter, Andrea, tied her shoelaces for the first time. It's unbelievable. Yeah, she came running home. My wife, Judy, uh, picks her up from school every day off the school bus, and she came bounding off the school bus, and she couldn't wait to tell her grandmother that she learned how to tie her own shoe. She learned how to make her own knots and make a, sh- uh, a, a nice shoelace. And uh, uh, for me, I remember the first time I learned to tie my own shoelaces. So that was a monumental task. You, a rite of passage uh, that you're moving uh, slowly out of your childhood and moving into a, another realm of childhood. So it was a big, big day, and uh, she was all excited. And uh, she gives us so much pleasure, Andrea. She really does. She brings so much joy into your life, huh? Being a grandfather. So you're a grandfather, you're a husband, you're a father, you're a brother, you're a son, you're a cousin, you're a friend. You have all these roles that you're, you're, how do you do it? You must be tired. Uh, I'm a little tired today, to be honest with you. Yes. I'm a little tired today, but you know what? It's, uh, it's a lot of responsibility, but it's beautiful. I love, uh, I love the sense of uh, community and the sense of family. I really do. Yeah. Uh, so it's just we just keep on going. That's all. Yeah. So we just want to yeah mark that monumental moment. Andrea tied her shoes, shoelaces for the first time. Yeah, episode two. So then when we get to episode two thousand, maybe she she'd be graduating uh, high school by episode two thousand. But right now we're on episode two. Right. So yeah. So today. Um, I want to start off a little bit with um, your sense of community. What was um, your first recollection of uh, being part of something bigger than yourself? Well, it's a, always we always go back to our family, and uh, I remember growing up as a children. Uh, our mother, of Michaela, and our father, John. Uh, we always had people over our house, and. Uh, Holidays were a big deal, and Sunday family dinners were a big deal. And uh, really, when we, uh, I remember we, we took a, a, a bus trip. Uh, my mother and father were members of the St. Cono Society. St. Cono is the patron saint of our town in Italy, Ticciano, uh, San Marco. And uh, there was about four busloads of people. And we went to a, a shrine that had a park. Uh, I believe it was in uh, Long Island, 
and uh, all these people piling off the buses and uh, just a commonality, a community of all these people from our town, all these people that lived in Brooklyn and Queens and different parts of Long Island and Jersey coming together for this bus trip, uh, really uh, that belong to the St. Kono Society. The St. Kono Society is located on uh, uh, Angel East Street in Brooklyn, New York and Williamsburg. And it was originated in the mid-70s, I believe 1973, 74. So it's been around for for you know, about 50 years now, maybe more. And really just a sense of all these people uh, are just uh, are praying to the same saint for intercession and their, their belief systems. And you just had a sense of uh, everybody was family, even though, uh, you know, they weren't blood relatives, some of them, but you just had a sense of all these people together. And I remember saying to myself, wow, these all these other kids, and all these adults and everybody's around and everybody was always, it was all together. So really, uh, I remember that bus trip. I don't know how old I was. Maybe I was about eight or nine years old. Uh, you must have been about six or seven years old that our first bus ride. A bus ride to us was a big deal to, to get out of Brooklyn and uh, go somewhere else other than Brooklyn was, uh, was an adventure for us. And we really, uh, we did an event. We had a couple of ventures, uh, you know, that day. And uh, we really had a sense of, of belonging to a community that was larger than us. So that was uh, one of my earliest recollections of knowing that uh, I had an extended family in the uh, St. Conal Society uh, mm. growing up as a child. Yeah, that's. Uh, I remember those bus trips too. They were great. We used to go to Don Bosco Shrine. Right, Don Bosco Shrine. And... Um, but I think the one you're talking about, that wasn't Don Bosco. That was somewhere in Long Island. Yeah. Um, yeah, so being part of that St. Kono Society uh, really fostered a sense of community. For myself, I um, I think about Our Lady of Mount Carmel uh, School uh, growing up and being part of that community and how important that was uh, to me. Uh, all of my friends that I made there, my childhood friends, my classmates, I uh, remember them all. I had an opportunity to see them recently. It was a sad occasion, but uh, it was a funeral of one of our classmates. But uh, I was able to see some of them, and it was really good. There really is a bond there with your um, grammar school, Catholic grammar school classmates having gone through that Catholic school experience and being part of that community. Uh, would, do you also remember your grammar school buddies? I do, of course. I remember my grammar school buddies. And you know what is the funny thing about grammar school, uh, Father Vincent, is that you never called people by their first name. When when you address them, you'll always say, uh, you know, uh, John Smith or, or, or Billy Baylor. It's never just their first name because you grew up together from kindergarten to eighth grade, and you had these different uh, experiences together. So I remember uh, my my grammar school buddies, uh, you know, Tommy and uh, Eddie, and uh, and uh, Lewis, and uh, all these guys that I hung out with. You know, it was it was strange because growing up where we did in Williamsburg, the guys that we went to grammar school with, the kids we went to grammar school with weren't necessarily the kids we hung out with. 
You know, yeah. we hung out with a different group of kids. So we had two different communities. We had really our grammar school friends and our community there from our lady Mount Carmel. And then hanging out, we had really a, another bunch of friends that didn't go to our grammar school. So we had a real uh, extended network of uh, of friends and uh, and uh, a support group growing up as kids. It was really just a, a phenomenal time to grow up in Brooklyn, really. It was this... Uh, it was a charmed uh, experience growing up in that area, in that neighborhood. Mm. Really. What about um, the Crazy Corner Club? That's where we used to hang out. Oh, the Crazy Corner Club, the CCC, right? That was a uh, a friend of ours on the a father, mother, and father on the building, and underneath that building they had a uh, a storefront that uh, used to be a candy store that was empty. And we made it our we made it a clubhouse. Uh, we started the started hanging out there. We were about fourteen years old, and um, we named it the Crazy Corner Club. That was the name because it was on a crazy corner in Weensburg. It was a like a triangle type corner. Was it that young? Fourteen. The first time I hung out there was 14, 15 years old. I was a freshman or sophomore in high school. Oh wow, I was older. But go ahead. Yeah, so I started hanging out with a group of my friends, the, the community friends that I didn't go to grammar school, a lot of these uh, gentlemen. I knew them, these guys from the neighborhood. Yeah, who were they, these friends? Well, there was Lewis, and there was uh, Mike, and uh, Mike, uh, two Mikes, and uh, Lewis, and uh, uh, Tito, and John, and Robbie, and, Robbie, and uh, we had a whole cast of guys, uh, We and... Uh, we just had, uh, we had at one time 35, 40 members there. And uh, it was just a, a tremendous place to hang out. We had that club from when we were about 14, 15 years old till we were about in our mid 40s. You know? Wow. So it was uh, definitely a rite of passage for us growing up. And what did you find? Did you find a sense of uh, belonging there with those guys? I mean, I did, but did you? Oh, yeah, of course. We had the. Uh, things in common we were young men most of us were either Italian Americans or Irish or whatever ethnicity we were and uh, we all had Catholic backgrounds and uh, we kind of had our own uh, system of uh, of uh, clearing things out and we had our own system of of interventions if we thought somebody was going down the wrong path and doing things they weren't supposed to do uh, we would we would uh, confront those people and those persons, and if they really didn't start to turn things around, then they were no longer really welcome to hang out in that uh, club in that community. So uh, everybody turned into somebody eventually. You know, who turned into a priest, who turned into a deacon, who turned into a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, a teacher, you know, a business owner. But we all started as young men, and really this. It's missing today, that really sense of community among young men uh, and a place to sit down with each other uh, is really missing socially and spiritually, you know, socially and spiritually, that's really missing. And it was just a, a beautiful place to, to live and hang out and be a part of Brooklyn in that era, it really was. And the, the, the Crazy Corner Club was a big... Uh, a big, big uh, part of our lives growing up as teenagers and the young adults. Yeah, so we had like a sense of belonging, a sense of uh, 
being able to just hang out with your friends and really feel part of something bigger than ourselves. You know, when we were doing all that, hanging out at the Crazy Corner Club, um, you know, being with our friends, going to clubs uh, and all that, having those famous block parties that we used to have there that the Vitali family used to host, the Crazy Corner Club annual block party. Um, there was a real sense of that, you know, we belonged, we were part of this group. And that really leads me into, um, there was something else going on within our lives, even though um, it really wasn't number one at that time, but there was always in the background, Our Lady of Mount Carmel Church, which was always in the background. Um, as we mentioned last week, we were both altar servers. We went to grammar school there, as we mentioned in the beginning of this podcast. Uh, so that Our Lady of Mount Carmel was also a sense of uh, belonging, a sense of community. And one, one of the big things about belonging to Our Lady of Mount Carmel was the feast, and still is the feast, and the celebration of the lifting of the Giglio. And uh, if you've never heard of that, every year in Williamsburg at Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Brooklyn in July, usually right after the first first Sunday of July, I believe it is, or the second Sunday of July, depends on which year, we lift uh, a five-story, two-and-a-half-ton structure, which has uh, all the saints, uh, St. Paulino, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and whatever saints they choose for that year. And there's about 200 men underneath the Giglio, so they lift the Giglio in the boat. It's a tradition that started in NOLA. And um, that really was, for us, we talk about hanging out at the club, hanging out at the Crazy Corner Club, uh, growing up in a, in a Catholic school. Those are all sense of communities. But the feast, the feast was a big part of who we were and who we are today. Community-wise, agree with you 100% on that. And also... The uh, I want to go back to the sense of community and rite of passage again. You know, the feast you started out with the Giglio and the boat. You know, you, we started out as as uh, uh, members of the rope gang, right? So there would be uh, ropes, and we were about eight or nine years old, and we would hold these ropes, these big ropes, to do crowd control, right? There was thousands of people that would go and view the lifting of the Giglio and the dancing of the boat, and uh, that was our job, to be rope, they called rope boys, right? And uh, if you think about it today, it's really uh, it's really absurd if you think about it. You have eight or nine, ten-year-old kids holding these ropes, and thousands of people are standing behind these ropes in this this narrow street where they're dancing this structure that weighs, you know, two, two to two and a half to four tons. And uh, but it was a rite of passage. So the next thing, the next step you wanted to go, the next goal to be was to be one of the lifters, one of the banans, they call it, right? The banans underneath the gilio or the boat. And that usually happened when you were about 14 years old or 13 years old, depending on how tall you got. And you got to lift the boat. You got your shirt. You have your hat. Uh, you have a kerchief that you would wear. And if you were dating a young, uh, young lady, you would give her your hat to wear for the day to watch you lift. 
So once you got to got to be part of that first lift of lifting those structures and dancing them in the street, it was really a rite of passage, Father. Really, to that you you became you're no longer a child anymore. You're on your way to to manhood, and that's what's really missing today. That sense of community and that sense of of boys. Uh, transitioning into manhood, you know, that rite of passage. For us, it was a rite of passage in Our Lady Mount Carmel from boyhood to manhood to go under those structures and lift them, wouldn't you say? Well, I think also, you know, the reason why I brought up the feast was because it it really is the epitome of community for that neighborhood in Williamsburg. And, um, uh, yeah, I would say, yeah, it is a rite of passage to be able to lift the Giulio for sure. Uh, but that whole sense of, you know, these are the guys I grew up with. These are the guys I know from the neighborhood. These are the guys we hang out with at the Crazy Corner Club. And now this is the feast. This is our faith. This is part of who we are. And now we're lifting the Giulio together. And we're doing it. Why? Because we love the Blessed Mother we love St. Paulino, and we love each other. We're part of this community. And really, uh, the church, I want to talk a little bit about that. The church is a great communio. It's a great communion, uh, a communion of believers, number one, right? The, uh, the body of Christ that gathers together at Mass on every Sunday and during the week. So the communion of the the body of the church, which is the people, and then the ministers of the church, the priests, the deacons, the Eucharistic ministers, the lectors, the ushers, um, you know, and they make up this great communio where we gather together around the Eucharist on Sunday. And... Um, it's really important for us to, to really recognize that, that everything we do now as Catholics, as you're a deacon, I'm a priest, and the, the, the people that come to church, the body of Christ, we do so because it's a great communion. And we also um, want to foster community, right? We want to foster that in our parishes. You and Our Lady of Montcalmo, me here at St. Joseph's. And there's so many ways to force the community. But I, I'm not going to get into all that now. But what I think is that we have to be mindful that there are people in the pews that are really looking for a sense of community, a sense of belonging, a sense of uh, wanting to be part of something bigger than themselves. And how do we give them that opportunity? How do we foster that? Uh, one of the things you do is you you uh, you you work as the the youth minister for your parish. I know you're very um, you're very dedicated to that. Uh, how do you think that uh, fosters a sense of community uh, with the, that age group? Well, you know the last three years. We've been in an isolation mode from this COVID pandemic that we were going through, right? So we people people were isolating themselves, you know, locked in, and we can't go to church, and we can't 
go to the to to the grocery store. We can't do this. We can't do that. And people became very very isolated, where they just stood into their into their own things that were doing the concentrate on doing, and they weren't really socializing uh, in community. So uh, and my kids suffered. The kids in my uh, youth ministry suffered. Our youth ministry suffered. And uh, you know what we do at a Lady Montcalm in my youth ministry is it's service orientated. So we would, we would go out, we'd go into the nursing homes, we would feed the homeless, we volunteer at children's hospitals, we would walk, uh, pray the rosary as we walk together on one of the main avenues on Bedford Avenue. And that was really taken away from us the last few years with the COVID pandemic. And these kids, these young adults, they, they were hurting and they were isolated themselves. So... What I've tried to do now that these lockdowns were over and things opened up is we went back to that. And the and the teenagers love it. It gives them a sense of community that we're doing this together. We're going to feed the homeless together. We're bringing the clothes together for the homeless, the hats, the scarves, the gloves. And we're, we're praying the rosary together uh, on the avenue together. You know, it's all about togetherness and having a sense of doing something. And then we go back to why we hung out at the club, why we hung out at the club and about the feast. It's a sense of an accomplishment that we're going to do together. And that's really missing today. That's missing in today's society. That's missing in today's families. You know, we have these devices that we use that uh, give us the ability to commute with anybody, communicate with anybody in the world. But we isolate ourselves also. We don't, we don't put ourselves out there. And uh, it's, it becomes dangerous thinking. It really does. So uh, my teenagers uh, are excited and they look forward to doing things together. And it gives them a sense of we're, we're one community helping other people out. And that's what it's really about. I mean, we're social creatures, brother. So, you know, God made us to socialize with each other, not to, and not to isolate from each other. So it was a bizarre time we were going through for those few years. No, to say the least. I mean, yeah, we could do a whole show just on COVID. Yeah. Uh, but that, so that's great that you're uh, facilitating this youth group and uh, um, doing the service projects and making the kids uh, feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. So important to do that. Um here at the St. Joseph's, what we try to do is we try to meet each age group. So we have um, our Golden Age Club, which meets every Wednesday. So that, that's for the, um, the older folks that need a sense of community. We have our youth group that meets every Saturday uh, for about two hours uh, at 5 p.m., we have our uh, we have a bereavement group for those that are grieving. We have uh, various prayer groups for the Hispanic community, the Cursistas and the Guadalupanas. We have for the Italian community the Padre Pio prayer group, and uh, we started this year a Padre Pio festival, a carnival. That's about three days, and that's also to bring all the groups together the Hispanics, the Italians, the Irish, and whatever other uh, nationalities are coming here 
to try to bring people together for that sense of communion, that sense of belonging. And um, that's really what this podcast is all about today. It's all about, you know, are you looking for a sense of communion? Are you looking for somewhere to belong? And uh, the Catholic Church has something to offer, has really something to offer, you know? It's better than uh, the Crazy Corner Club. It's better than lifting the Giglio, although the Giglio is a wonderful thing. Uh, and the Crazy Corner Club was a wonderful thing. But the Catholic Church, right, we have Jesus, and that's the great communio. And, um, you know, maybe we could close up with um, the, the other communio, which is the communion of the saints. We believe as a church... Um, unlike our Protestant brothers and sisters that um, uh, are just solo scriptura, only the scriptures, we believe that we're part of a communio. That is that we, along with the body of Christ on earth, are in union with the body of Christ in heaven. And that body of Christ in heaven is comprised of the blessed that have been allowed to enter into the heavenly New Jerusalem, and those whom we, whom the church has determined, are saints of God. So we can definitively say that they are in heaven. And one of the saints that you're very close to, maybe you could talk about it um, a little bit, is Saint Charbel. Maybe uh, many people don't know about Saint Charbel, and uh, you, you just want to just say a few words about Charbel? Sure, I will touch on Saint Charbel. Uh, Saint Charbel was, was uh, born in Lebanon, in Naya, Lebanon, and he has the most uh, miracles attributed to him in the Catholic Church, besides Our Lady, uh, besides Mary, uh, our mother. And uh, he has a, the power of healing. And I had a healing myself through the intercession of Saint Charbel. Uh, I was diagnosed with. Uh, with uh, cancer uh, last year, and I had a healing through the power of Saint Chabel. So Saint Chabel uh, is a, a powerful, powerful saint that uh, we should all turn to. Not many people know about. He was a Maronite priest, and we should all turn to him. Uh, the, the, you spell his name S H A R B L, Saint Chabel, and you can look him up uh, if you're interested in, uh, in in his intercession. He's a lovely saint. He lived as a hermit and a uh, powerful, powerful saint for miraculous healing. That's uh, Saint Chabel who changed my life. Yeah, you can look him up. You could Google the uh, family of Saint Chabel USA. Family of Saint Chabel USA. You can Google that. Uh, every um, other month, we have a healing mass here in honor of Saint Chabel. One is coming up February 13th. February 13th yes. at 7.30 p.m. If you want to come for a healing mass with the relic of, of St. Charbel and the holy oil of St. Charbel. So we have mass. We have an exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. We have um, the blessing of the oil, uh, blessing with the oil and veneration of the relic of St. Charbel. As the deacon said, he has over 35,000 attributed miracles to his intercession. So um, he's part of this great communion, the great communio of saints. 
how wonderful it is for us to be part of the Catholic Church. The Church is just a great, great opportunity for all of us to enter into communion with one another, to love one another, to care for one another, to be there for one another, to support one another. And it's so great that um, we found our way, Deacon Michael, back into the church uh, from the Crazy Corner Club to the Roman Catholic Church. What a journey, what a story. Amen to that. And, uh, we just give thanks to Almighty God for the great communion. So let us uh, now close with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Deacon Michael. Lord God, we ask you to, to, to look over us, look after us today and every day, and to give us the sense to be always in communion with each other, and the, and the opportunity to be patient and to forgive and love each other. And we ask you today to the intercession of St. Charbel to, to heal anyone out there who's suffering from any physical or spiritual uh, uh, ailments at all, to turn to St. Charbel for his intercession. And we ask this to Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. See you next time, everybody. Bye.